Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Nympha Alumni. I'm Sam. I'm here with Biz and Alexi. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that we've covered in previous episodes briefly. We've t- discussed it at length in the Discord and We've now influenced an aesthetics wiki page creation for this aesthetic, and we just thought we would weigh in and do a full-length episode on this subject. The aesthetic is called Shoe Diva. Does anyone want to describe the characteristics of Shoe Diva and what it entails? Yeah, I guess I can say that it's very nice to find out that we've been attributed with something on the aesthetics wikipedia page related to this but it was definitely invented on facebook by these like consumer aesthetic research institute people and um i know about it because i was in a bunch of these facebook groups as a youth uh this one hasn't been active in like three years but i've been revisiting it for this episode and it's really amazing but it's also kind of hard to find out who came up with it but yeah, it was like a community where people would just send pictures of like staplers that were shaped like shoes or the intro of the nannies for the shoe diva. Um, so yeah, shoe diva to define uh, was a kind of late 90s, 2000s aesthetic style that was, I don't know, it, it featured a lot of images of women who were skinny with really long necks holding a bunch of shopping bags, martinis, and just a love for compulsive shopping and shoes, like confessions of a shopaholic vibes. And yeah, just this like idea of adult womanhood that was very connected to like chicness and hedonism, I guess, maybe the pleasures of being a single woman. Yeah, I feel like for a lot of people around our age, one big introduction to Maybe a more modern shoe diva was the movie 13 going on 30. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of the aspiration around being a woman who is working in fashion kind of past your 20s uh, feels really related to, especially the shoe diva being a mature, a mature person, like Alexi said. Yeah, it it's kind of an interesting aesthetic because it's related. We we brought it up in the fashion core episode. It's very related to fashion core, but I would think of it as I see it as a more suburban iteration of fashion core. And I'm just going to name off certain media objects that seem related to shoe diva. The TV show Desperate Housewives seems very shoe diva-y to me. Sex in the City, Ally McBeal, absolutely fabulous. Bridget Jones Diary. A lot of the media surrounding Shoe Diva focused a lot on women in their like 30s and 40s or late 20s. So definitely like mature women being portrayed often. The demographic that it was targeting was definitely like a suburban housewife or a career woman. Just some anybody, any woman who is in her 30s, I think. Uh, is like what this demographic was really appealing to. Um, but it feels very suburban to me. Like the the illustration style of Shoe Diva is very fashion core because obviously um, the women oftentimes drawn in this style are like croquis women, you know, fashion illustrations in different, um, different like uh, situations like drinking a glass of martini, taking a bubble bath, um, a skinny girl cocktails, is like a very shoe diva e brand. 
chicken shop chick. What is it? No. Chicken uh, salad chick. Chicken salad chick. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, cross-generational Freudian slip. Cross-generational slip. Yeah. But I was just thinking a lot about it because I think there's been a lot of discourse lately about the lack of representation of older women in media. And like, I think there's also this sort of like return to these media objects with the TV show and just like that and people having a lot of like nostalgia for Sex in the City and Carrie Bradshaw lifestyle, you know. And I just like was thinking about it in relation to both fashion and aesthetics because it just like I don't really know where all of this media went or like why it doesn't exist anymore. Like why is there not like a, a genre of media or even aesthetics that seem to directly appeal to women in their 30s and 40s. I like really wonder about this. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Or Yeah, well, I don't know. It. I think it's just because like we talk about this all the time, but like the reorientation of culture towards like youthfulness that happened in our lifetime. I don't know, like culture has always been interested in like the youth, but I think now it's like being uniquely led by young people who don't really have that much to look forward to. And I always see kind of like aesthetic compilations of general kind of like New York, like metropolitan adult woman aesthetic mood boards where like I see all these comments from girls being like, this is what I thought being an adult would be like when I was a kid. And so it's like a really interesting thing Mm -hmm. to romanticize like now we're not only romanticizing like our our inner child, but also like our inner child's inner adult, which is kind of strange. But yeah, I'm happy to see like a a romanticization of being thirty. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine them making not them. I guess Hollywood's the right word, not them. But I can't imagine Hollywood making this kind of aspirational media around women in their 30s anymore i feel like it's all been so like cluster fucked in the way in the way that i feel like a lot of depictions of people in their 30s is kind of based off like the girl's archetype which i love that show but i mean they're they're in their 20s but i still think that kind of portrayal of adulthood in new york city has been downwind of that i guess emily in paris is a bit of a shoe diva but she's just, she literally has the body proportions of a shoe diva sketch that you she would does, find yeah. in like a TJ Maxx. No, this is true. Yeah, it's definitely the, the gamine. The gamine is made for shoe diva. Um, if we're talking archetypes, like you just have to have a really skinny neck. Yeah, <laughs> skinny, really long skinny neck long for some neck. reason. Yeah. There are also like a lot of illustrations of cats at this time that had skinny necks and like triangular heads. Yeah. yeah, you just have to think of like a yeah Audrey Hepburn like doodle silhouette. I was like a sh- I was like a shoe diva child. Were you? Yeah, I had like a I, definitely was I had too. like a pink and black broom that was kind of at a certain point Parisian themed. Oh, that is so cute. my. This is actually like I don't know how neatly this falls into shoe diva canon, but uh, my mom got me like original prints of Eloise like the illustrations like I was like I was because I guess she's kind of like a she's the the child version of a shoe diva in a lot of ways I think she's proto shoe diva yeah she is in the obsession with like the plaza um and kind of living decadently Mm -hmm. but she's six yeah I mean 
The thing about Shoe Diva is that there is like a distinctly metropolitan flavor to this, but then I also think that there's a distinctly suburban flavor where like it was selling the idea of the metropolis to the suburban masses while also kind of like there is an intersection of Shoe Diva with the suburbs. Like I'm thinking of like Desperate Housewives specifically and the housewife kind of aesthetic in general in the 2000s, like rich suburban mom was very shoe diva and that was very much who this was like appealing to. And I was just thinking about suburban depictions in television in, in the 2000s, you know, during the housing crisis, um, you know, Bush era, war on terror type stuff. Always comes back to that for us, the war on terror. Though it, <laughs> it always comes back to the war on terror. <laughs> But, uh, you know, there was, like, a lot of suburban depictions on TV. And, um, like, The Sopranos was, like, a very much a drama about suburbia. And, like, what's kind of, like, interesting to me is, like, what what also feels like it's disappeared along with media about people in their 30s and 40s is, like, depictions of suburbia and, like, any type of suburban aesthetic, you know? Like, I was thinking about what you know, there's a lot of discourse right now about the millennial McFarmhouse, you know, mm-hmm. which is basically like the McMansion has been replaced with the millennial McFarmhouse, you know, gray walls, you know, white panels, uh, black window panes. You, you've seen these houses before, and that is the new McMansion. And what's kind of interesting to me is that the suburban aesthetic doesn't even feel suburban anymore in the modern day. It feels like almost agrarian. You know what I mean? Like, any type of aesthetic or just, like, media microcosm that appeals to suburban people is very much, like, a pastoral agrarian cosplay. Like, I was thinking about who in our society are the icons and aspirational figures for women in their 30s and 40s, and all of them exist in the Christian Girl Autumn Extended Universe. Like, it's very much like Utah moms are what women in their 30s and 40s can look to, you know, who don't live in big cities. Like, uh, they kind of, like, look to these agrarian-esque, very uh, salt-of-the-earth type women with perfect curls, you know? I was just going to say, I think it has to do with isolation and just, like, how, like, realistically being, like, a wife slash mother and, like, running a household, it's just become, like, more lonely. Like, the whole desperate housewives fantasy and also, like, the Sex in the City fantasy is that, like, every woman has, like, a group of friends that she can rely on. But I think that's increasingly hard to find if you live in the suburbs and increasingly just, like, hard to manage. Mm-hmm. And so people just, like, want to ha- be somewhat self-sufficient, but not really in a way that's, like, you know, growing your own food. It's just, like, you just do errands by yourself and, like, cut out um, the work of having a social life. But also, I it all seems really tied up to me and like the idea of leisure and free time which is really ironic because like I also really associate this aesthetic with like single moms and like the single moms I knew growing up and this idea of like being an independent woman and having freedom and I think it was just like really attractive to single moms because it was like a way to reframe your independence as like you know like sisters are doing it for themselves like you can drink a cocktail alone um but actually if you're realistically like a single mom or like an adult single woman you don't really have that much time and that's why it over overlaps a lot with like crazy cat lady kind of aesthetics and like 
greeting cards of Maxine, that like crazy old lady who was really sassy. I mean, that's also I think why in the aesthetic there's so many like bubble bath, like shoe closet, drinking wine yeah, in the yeah. bathroom aesthetics. Cause like Cuc- cucumber yeah, on the eyes. Like the only you know, when you're a busy single mother or even just a busy mother, when you're living a life like that, like you know, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a mother, but I hear from a lot of moms that like the bathroom is very much like your place of respite because no one is bothering you in there. And so you're going to take a bubble bath and drink a glass of wine and put cucumbers on your eyes, you know, and read a chick, a chick lit book. I think that's so cool to like be able to have that more glamorous version of leisure for women at that point in their life to tap into. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's that's what's kind of funny is like I don't know, I keep getting hung up on this like suburban thing and this like mm-hmm. agrarian fantasy that I think a lot of people in smaller or mid-sized cities have or try to recreate because I think like weirdly enough it's so not based in reality because there's more and more people who are just living in cities just statistically they're living there's more people in cities now than ever before. It's projected that by like 2050 there's like 7 out of 10 people will live in a city, you know, and then these like mid-sized cities and small towns just become more and more urbanized and more and more city-like, you know? So it's like that agrarian fantasy is like very much disappearing even in like rural towns. Like there's so much development and there's so much growth and urbanization. I feel like there also wasn't on that point, like there wasn't like this thinking about the suburban aspect. Do you guys think there was like an emphasis on quote unquote good parenting back then? In the same way there is now with like conversations around like gentle parenting and kind of severing generational trauma, that sort of thing. Like what was kind of the the dialogue for these women? The dialogue was like, it was pretty, I don't know, like the wine mom archetype was in full swing. And I feel like kids, like people would just joke a lot more about like ignoring their kids or like hating their kids, (laughs) which is something that's just like not really normal to do now. Um... But just like, yeah, calling your kids Rugrats. Um, oh my God, Rugrats. Yes. Yeah. And I, I just remember a lot of this because like I was always an old soul as a child. And so I just like would always be hanging out with adults. And like, I just remember my mom having a lot of shoe diva friends that they would just all like kind of be quipping about like how much they hate their husbands and their kids. Yeah. But weirdly enough, like, that sense of humor has felt like it's totally disappeared. I was thinking about this when I was looking at a bunch of shoe diva like birthday cards and stuff where it feels like there are very much like biological realities that become immediately apparent when you're aging. Aging is a biological reality. Death is a biological reality. And these things are like so impossible to fight against that like the only way to meet them is with a sense of humor and being like, we're still hot, but like now it comes in flashes, like that type of like e-card, <laughs> like that type of thing, you know, like... Oh, no, I love it. I think for some reason, like the the internet and I like I'm sure there's still mom humor and stuff, but I feel like I only see stuff that's like super, super idealized. Like you're putting all of the stuff in your fridge in like plastic containers and like yeah. you're decorating your house seasonally. It's like really aspirational style mm-hmm. or just like videos where it's like moms like breaking down in tears being like, I don't know if I can yep. do this, like mm-hmm. being super realistic, which is nice. Um, I mean, I'm I'm glad. I always see like moms connecting over the fact that, you know, like parenting is hard and it's also hard if you like don't have a partner who you feel like supports you. It really gets me like super rad femme when I see like just husbands who are like incompetent and like women who are doing everything 
by themselves. But yeah, it seems like the messaging around this has become also quite political. Like I think Mm -hmm. the right tends to weaponize this idea of like, you know, woman hitting the wall or woman being crazy cat ladies and like woman's eggs drying up. Like it's just become so like serious and mean and like not fun anymore. Yeah. So I, I guess I can sense some of this like coming coming back. Yeah. I think also like as certain women, groups of women have kind of tried to shift away from careerism to focus on you know the Shira Seven mindset of finding a man to provide for you. I feel She's like, like the this last attitude just diva. gets. She is such a shoe diva, but at the same time, I think her philosophy, thinking specifically about like the 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 metropolitan shoe diva versus mm-hmm. the suburban, which focuses on kind of the Carrie Broadshaw esque career. Maybe I think people are just kind of yeah, not really considering that part of their life in the same way. I mean, I was, like, thinking about this in relation to, like, the the effervescent sense of humor that shoe divas once had, like, and, Sh- and Shira Seven being literally, like, the last living shoe diva. And I was just thinking about how, like, cold and, like, cruel the materialism of the modern day is. And, like, that materialism did exist in the past, you know, where it was, like, very much, like, I don't know, people were realistic about things. But, like, now it really feels like uh, back in the day, like shoe diva mom content was like media surrounding like sex tips and like diet tips and just being like embodied and like like women's magazine vibes. I feel like yeah. women's magazine like stuff kind of died out. It did. It's gone, and I'm just like, yeah, it really did. Like, what happened to like sex columns and like um, wine glasses that had you know like we we kind of we lost the teen magazine, and then we also I think lost the woman's interest magazine as well so now we've kind of had two age segments be kind of like collapsed into the same media category Mm -hmm. which i think kind of relates to what we're talking about in terms of people just prioritizing a girlish youthfulness forever but i guess like maybe i don't know i can't even imagine having read those like cosmopolitan at like age 30 in like 2005 like what would that have been like <laughs> that was definitely like original clickbait because i just yeah. remember seeing like magazines at the grocery store and being like i need to know what what the sex tips are <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think, no, it's true it, i think now it's just like the nature of the media landscape is like cosmo and all those websites like allure and stuff they just like exist to sell products less than mm-hmm. information like there's only so much you can get out of clickbait like it needs to be clickbaity but then also like have a million hyperlinks to stuff so instead mm-hmm. it would be like the 10 best like vibrators on amazon or something which doesn't yeah, really have anything yeah. to do with like human interaction or like social tips or whatever mm-hmm. um i love like anonymous advice columns i feel like those are also very shooty uh, yeah like the like idea ask- of like yeah ask that's <laughs> who's Alice? Doctor Ruth or something? Like I don't Delilah, know. the radio, the radio lady. Oh, I don't know. It have just you, feels have like... you guys heard of the phrase "agony ant"? Yes. No. What was I that? think it's a UK phrase, but it's the it's the UK term for the anonymous, or maybe not anonymous, always advice columnist who. I guess this was supposed to be like your aunt who gives you advice on your agonizing life problems. Oh, it's I a cool see. name, right? 
That's really cool. That yeah. is cool. Sue Diva and Agony Ant. Yeah. They're best like family They're having cocktails together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, with like the Shira Seven Shoe Diva, like that is like a depressing Shoe Diva to me because like, I don't know, like, like whatever happened to like, I don't know. I d- it just feels like back in the day, like it felt like women could have more fun or something. And very much the discourse surrounding marriage is like entirely material now where it's just like you should do this because you're going to be financially safe and like you need to have security and like you don't want to be out in the streets and like it's so hard out here for people and like I don't know like finances are like so tough and like you should really like have this as a fallback type thing and it's like really tragic because like all of the romance and fun and you know I, I mean this is like a very obvious take but it's like when I think back on these like sex columns that like housewives were buying at the grocery store and stuff and like kind of tucking them away in the back seat so the kids don't see you know it's like I, they're just like there's a certain level of fun that's been sucked out of like the idea of being an adult it's very much like you need to have financial security and like you need to have material luxury mm. you know what I mean and all of the other fun stuff where it was like ooh, like a girl with like a finger covering her mouth like shh like you know <laughs> like t- top 15 sex tips to drive your man crazy or something like that you know it's just like some crazy decadent I don't know indulgent type yeah. of lifestyle you know yeah, it's weird because obviously call her daddy, um, Alex Cooper, they built their initial platform off those kind of sex tips, but their kind of aesthetic orientation was so like leggings, crop top, baseball cap, mm-hmm. and they just never really aligned themselves with a passion for fashion. Yeah. So they were really missing that element of the Cosmo recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting like that. I mean, it's also so college oriented too. you know, it just feels like there is a sense that like and it's not like you need to look at media to create like a stable idea about what your future life is going to be looking like. It's quite the opposite. You probably shouldn't be doing that, but it is kind of tragic and speaks to the state of things that there's a sort of like vacuum in artistic portrayal of life after like. 30 and then it just like skips all the way over to like grace and frankie like, like women in their <laughs> 80s you know what i mean like yeah no. it's kind of wait there was a movie that came out recently with like jane fonda and like one of those other old ladies where they go to the super bowl yeah they go That's like the cool. patriots game movie did yeah. they do a heist or no, no. but i think they just oh. it's kind of like an old lady version of the hangover where just like crazy <laughs> stuff happens on a girl's trip I think one of the only recent depictions I can think of of a woman her 30s-ish is Frances Hall. Oh, yeah. But she is not a shoe diva. She's so not a shoe diva. She is um, whimsical, though. She is whimsical. That's her kind of Achilles heel, I feel like, in life is that she's overly whimsical. Mm -hmm. But it is – it does feel like – People have lost a sense of humor whenever they're trying to add whimsy and romanticization to their life. You know, it's like Alexi was talking about all of the clean, like fridge stocking, plastic container ASMR videos that you see, you know, and you get a peek into other people's lives and like the pleasure that they get from it is very much like based in this like weird, like physical object, like fetishization and none of it has anything to do with like the messy, chaotic realities of like everyday life whenever you're balancing responsibilities 
there's just a desperation in the air is that feels very humorless. I think it also has something to do with the decline of physical shopping being oh, yeah. overtaken kind of by online shopping. So I just don't think oh, yeah. you can be a, a shoe diva if you're online shopping all the time. Maybe in the early days. And I'm sure there are some examples today as well with the cert- right type of person. But I think you really have to go to the local stiletto factory, basically. Like, <laughs> I think there's a kind of an emphasis. I think when there were probably some local boutiques that were catered to this type of woman in all of our respective hometowns that mm-hmm. had a very shoe diva feel. I can think of the one in my town. Yeah, so there's something quite, like, localized about it as well. Or, like, getting really excited to go shopping at, like, Nordstrom or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the most shoe diva like department store brand, like department stores generally are pretty shoe diva. Mm-hmm. But Henri Bendel, I feel like, is the original like old school shoe diva location. But yeah, that's so true. Like in a lot of shoe diva illustrations, you'll see them next to like piles and piles of like different boxes and bags, like giant shopping bags. You're like crossing the street with like six different giant shopping bags swinging in the wind and getting like brown cardboard boxes in the mail just doesn't really have that same uh, Mm -hmm. swag but Carrie Bradshaw recently in in an episode of In Just Like That goes on a shopping spree while flopping um, during the recording of her audiobook which is very relatable (laughs) and she just like has all of these boxes scattered around and I was like this is like a real OG shoe diva moment what if she just like ordered stuff you know it just wouldn't be the same like $30 Manolo's on the real real like like yeah yeah now there's just like I guess the the beauty of packaging is still around and like brands doing these really beautiful like PR box presentations that they send to influencers but that's just like so specifically for a moment and like a branded moment at that that's like so photo ready like Mm -hmm. we need to bring back just like having a giant striped box with like a pink lid i don't know if anyone's doing that anymore it's like no one wants to wrap their boxes with like pretty bows anymore no one's training the cashiers to do this at like that is so true the stores the thing is yeah like i oftentimes will find myself browsing like i i honestly still try to do shopping sprees um (laughs) because it's like it's just a routine that's like good for my mental health even though I never buy anything because there's never anything in stores anymore that's good or purchasable. Um, but I spend a lot of time on South Congress in Austin going into all the stores and trying on stuff. And like I usually always buy like one thing and make them put it in a bag even though it doesn't need a bag because it just like feels good to walk up and down the street with like a shopping bag, you know? That's funny. I also love doing that. Yeah, no, I'm a huge intro- in-person shopper and I like always just, I used to come home and show my roommates like my giant hauls of like all of my stuff and it's just really nice to like immediately get shit like I know we always talk about instant gratification with online shopping but like in real life shopping is like even more instant gratification like you just have the shit I don't think it's healthy to be like pressing order on a bunch of stuff and then it's coming at different times like it just delays the whole experience so much Mm -hmm. um also also, it's such a worse person retail oh sorry wait no go on go on on. no I think this is a point that we've already talked about before how like retail associates just used to be like nicer yeah oh yeah, yeah we, they used like, to have more tips helpful. tricks and the other you know they really knew how to figure your shit out for you i think they just used to hire like actual gay guys who would be like oh sister i got something that like 
It looks so, <laughs> so sexy on you. I don't know. But I, those guys still exist. They do. They're not as common, though. That is no. true. You might have to go to the, the Mac counter in the mm-hmm. suburbs to find one. But I will say I did go into a boutique perfumery recently. Mm-hmm. And the man working there was exactly this archetype. Mm-hmm. And I felt so safe in his guiding hands. <laughs> And he was so articulate about all of the fragrances, and yeah, it really made me mis- nostalgic for this kind of this kind of memory of, I guess, customer service is the right word. Yeah. But also, I guess, yeah, just taking that element of your your job seriously, which I think after I think after the pandemic, I think all kind of in real life shopping experiences have gotten worse. And it's also like the, I don't know, we talk about this all the time too, but it's like the double, like the kind of like two punch, like death of customer service, like the double hitter of the pandemic. And then also like a recession. It just kind of like whenever I go to stores and the customer service representative is being really helpful, I get like kind of anxious because I'm just like, I can't really buy anything right now. I'm just like browsing and like you're being really nice to me and I'm like wasting your time, you know? And it just feels, you know, it just feels like a, like, it just doesn't feel like the the right time to, like, go and, like, go shopping. You know, it just feels, like, wrong or something. I feel like the shoe diva is really confident in her rapport with the, with the sales associate. But then also I think the shoe diva is sometimes deeply loathed by the sales associate. I'm thinking mm-hmm. of one of the opening scenes of Confessions of a Shopaholic with Isla Fisher, where she's trying to buy... A, a green scarf using several <laughs> different credit cards and like some cash and that's kind of how the, the movie really opens and mm-hmm. the sales associate is just like bitching her so hard and i like i like that like point of tension as well where like the sales associate understands the cultural value of the shop and is like you don't even deserve to be here type of thing mm-hmm. it's very funny it is yeah I don't know. It just feels like in general clothing and fashion is is obviously like kind of losing because a lot of the design is surrounding either just like avant-garde, like unwearable stuff or extremely youthful clothing a la, a la Sandy Liang, you know, everything is just like targeting more and more youthful people who don't have the disposable income to like spend money on like luxury and we do kind of need to return to like office wear in in some sort of way that's not just like the row like minimalism you know like I was looking at these like old Marc Jacobs dresses you know and I was just like this is so like mature you know I'm like this is like literally fashion and so flattering and it doesn't make me feel like I'm wearing like a five-year-old birthday party dress like I love this sort of like I don't know, this this style of clothing. And it just like I just feel like um fashion is kind of losing right now. Like they're not thinking of of like the demographic as much. Like it is like that blobular sort of intermixing of like target audience. And there is like that big article that was in the cut the other day about um fashion kind of losing because it's focusing more on luxury sales and it is on like design quality or like actually setting trends you know um we've talked about that a lot on this podcast too but yeah it's kind of hard to just generally find things that look good and i think for like a certain zillennial audience like 
they do have this idea of things that are flattering, but it's so just related to like outerwear as clothing or like innerwear as outerwear, you know, like mm-hmm. just skims yes. and like Aritzia body sculpt <laughs> type of stuff, um, which I just like can't fuck with, honestly. Like, I'm, I don't know. Well, skims. I don't know. I like things that are like constructed and things that are designed. Like, I don't want to wear like a tube that like makes me <laughs> like sna- snatches my stomach. Like yeah. I, I think that's kind of like the bare, the bare minimum. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of giving like live in the pod and wear the skins, but yeah. Uh, do you guys have thoughts on like over the past three years? I don't know if it's just been like a pandemic thing. There's been like a rise in like wine mom criticism, like criticism of wine mom culture. Mm, yeah. Like every major media outlet has posted something along the lines of like some kind of like op-ed or confessional of a mom being like I was a wine mom but then I just realized I was like a high-functioning alcoholic who was really distressed all the time SNL did a skit that was like making fun of wine moms and kind of like using it to point out how ridiculous like the casual alcoholism is Mm mm-hmm do you think I don't know I'm tempted to be like it's not that deep like there are so many like wine moms I know that like I don't think they have a problem and Mm -hmm. I think they should be free to drink while parenting but to me yeah it just seems symptomatic of like a of anti-shoe diva rhetoric (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. I was gonna say earlier that it feels like the shoe diva has really been stripped of her accoutrement and made into the wine mom and then villainized very deeply through the examples yeah. you just listed. Yeah, I she mean, she would definitely she would get diagnosed as BPD today. Yeah, <gasps> gasp. It's true. I think it. Sometimes I. I. Why is it on the wine, mom? I don't know why wine. I guess because it's, it's like it's... it's like an unproblematic thing to drink after work or something. And it's also like right? if you're cooking for your family, like you can drink wine with dinner. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think it just concerns people less. Like, dads have beer, moms have wine, it's all chill. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're drinking, like, vodka in a tumbler, like, okay, that's probably bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say that I did read Jessica Simpson's memoir, which is a pretty good read, everybody. But she talks about her experience with mommy alcoholism, Mm -hmm. basically. Which, I will say, she was on the vodka, but it was in a very wine mom way, where she would pour it into those kind of those plastic cups that have a lid and a straw and they had like glitter on the outside like a kind of tj maxx style and they she would call them like her glitter cups and she would take them everywhere with her to her kids like first day of school assemblies and they'd be full of vodka but i think i'm only thinking of that because i think the the glitter aspect and then also jessica simpson obviously making her her fortune in apparel that i think definitely appealed to to the very suburban shoe diva in some ways. Yeah. And yeah, shoes mostly too. Like she really, yeah. her shoe line. Candies, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sam, what do you think about it, the wine mom thing? I don't know. I just think like what's like alcoholism is no joke. Female alcoholism is oftentimes not diagnosed or whatever. I've seen, I've seen like there's people I've known who have been mommy alcoholics who literally have like three-year-old kids and like driving around with like you know it's like I've seen this happen before and I know it's like a reality but at the same time it's like 
I don't know. I think it's more symptomatic of like the isolation that like women experience in the suburbs that we were just like talking about, you know, because it, yeah. it just like seems like a lot harder. I don't know. It, it just feels like if these women had like groups of friends and stuff that they could go out and like have cocktails with, like they wouldn't feel the need to be like a wine mom and like drinking by themselves and like normalizing bad habits and stuff. But I don't know. I just think also I like the celebratory aspect of the shoe diva wine ritual. You know, I think it's important for them to be like, to have this sort of like celebratory bent. Like I think for Shoe Diva's birthdays are really important. That's why there's so many birthday cards. Yeah. There's so many birthday cards and it's all just kind of like the doctor said I need glasses. Like like I need several more glasses or whatever. Or like that type of thing. You know what I mean? And it's just like hilarious like We need to come lady. out with our old our own line of uh like Nymphedal Alumni X Hallmark like Shoe Diva cards. <laughs> yes, that'd be so cool. Like I don't know. I think it's important for – I don't know. I, I feel like the wine mom paranoia and stuff can be overblown. Like, let women drink wine. I don't know. I, I also think in general, we really comment a little bit too much on, like, female archetypes. Not that, like, it's not fun and that I don't do this literally every single day and I'm not guilty of the same, but it's, like, we tend to really create archetypes off of like out of – minor female behaviors and I think it can be really negative because it women I don't know I just feel like people input like way too much social malaise into like the existence of women or something yeah how do you guys think that shoe diva can somehow relate to this like woman media trend of like girl dinner and like girl math and stuff do you Mm -hmm. feel like that is like our new shoe diva uh, no, because I feel so depressed because they literally took the olives out of the martini and put them onto the girl dinner. Mm-hmm. Do you know what That's I mean? So true. Like they <laughs> took the glamour away and they're like, oh, like with my can of tuna now. Horrible. Yeah. Put, put it back, in, back the in the martini. <laughs> Seriously. I and don't get know. a birthday cake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think if Shoe Diva's. Mm, there's something a little too wholesome at times about the girl dinners. I think Shudivas, it was definitely about those kind of like prepackaged skinny girl snack packs as well as fries for the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the contagiousness, yeah, no. I think, is really, um, it's really critical. <laughs> the contagiousness? Yeah. yeah. Of like the I fries think, on the table? Yeah, and just a glass with a skinny stem. Like it's, oh, it's yes. not, it's just a little bit less depressive than the girl dinner. Like, Girl Dinner, I feel like, is connected to, like, depression meal. It's also connected to, like, always calling things, like, your silly little something, which is not okay, in my opinion. I mean, I think that's also, like, what made a lot of the shoe diva humor disappear, is that, like, it kind of started to intermix with millennial, like, I'm going to eat pizza pizza for breakfast, like, my life is a mess, like, type humor, and... It just became kind of cringy where it's just like I am like a piece of garbage or whatever, like or pointing at a trash can and be like, that's me. And then it like kind of mixed in with like shoe diva humor because they started printing shit like that on wine glasses. And then like we kind of lost depressing. (laughs) Like you know what I mean? Because like now you kind of like no, but like old people on Facebook still keep up shoe diva posting. Like my grandma will send me a picture of like a little girl wearing a tutu who's like hanging upside down from the bar at like ballet. 
and it's like yeah be different or something you know what i mean <laughs> like but i'm saying like yeah, women in like their 30s and shoe diva yeah. yeah yeah it's like we need this for women in their 30s and 40s you know what i mean like it can't just be like they're all aging and like yeah, I don't know. I just keep thinking. You can't thinking. be dementia, dementia absurd. Shoot you up I know, but it's like really funny because I just keep thinking about those like uh, old lady shoe diva drawings on birthday cards, and it's always some lady who who's wearing like a bra that's like swinging on the ground or whatever. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like it's like, like it's I just know. like <laughs> I, I remember being so confused by like the amount of stuff that was just like about being over the hill, and I was just like. Oh my god, yes. Why, why are we making such a big deal on this? Wait, okay, so there is this amazing post on the um Shoe Diva Aesthetic Facebook group by this guy who is an admin named James Cernay. Cern? I don't know how, how it is pronounced, but he was like an avid poster in there and had this really interesting thing to say about like how Shoe Diva kind of rose out of the 80s. And maybe I'll read this and we can like yes. discuss because he talks about um, Maxine, the greeting card old lady, and also Kathy. Do you guys know mm-hmm. her? I love Kathy. Yeah. Okay, so he says, and I'm just like quoting hard. He says, in the dark ages of the 1980s, when the shoe diva was just a twinkle in Candace Bushnell's eye, the illustrated woman of middle brow culture came in two categories, the idealized and the relatable. The former version, ubiquitous in the windows of beauty salons for nearly 40 years now, was perfected by Patrick Nagel. So if you guys don't know, he... It's like super famous for that like 80s really like high contrast style illustration that was really like fashion. Um, but as gorgeous and influential as his graphic femmes were, they said more about what men of the time wanted than what women of the time were dealing with. Kathy Gustwaite's iconic funny pages heroine Kathy and Hallmark greeting card mainstay Maxine, on the other hand, directly tapped into the pressures of being female in the era of high capitalism and provided different coping strategies. Faced with the pressure of having it all, job, boyfriend, perfect bikini body, social expectations of fertility, etc., you could either live in a constant state of act like Kathy and hopefully slash pathetically struggle through life's indignities, or you could throw in the towel and be an amusingly bitter but socially marginal, barren wombed old Maxine, fight or flight. Part of the genius of the shoe diva archetype is that it managed to weave together these two seemingly incompatible notions of idealization and relatability, the flawlessly turned out Nagel goddess and the charming neurotic Kathy. The shoe diva suggested a shortcut to self-actualization, bypassing the pressure to mate and reproduce and please your parents, instead finding fulfillment through rituals of acquisition and self-care. The arena of shopping allowed women a safe place to assert new economic power in a way that felt separate from the masculine social sphere and unthreatening to traditional gender roles. The expectation to have a partner and children was replaced with the expectation to maintain a circle of friends amongst other like-minded women. Although the shoe diva is almost always represented as tall and slender, the focus of her desires tended to be shoes, handbags, cocktails, and sweet desserts. This allowed women with feet to participate in the fantasy regardless of dress size. <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy? Like, he's literally a genius. Like, is that- we need him on the pod. We need him on the pod. Like, oh my god. Like, it's so, it's such a good that analysis. That is so good. That is so good. He's everything wow. to me. Yeah, he he understands. Yeah, that has to be the suburban aspect as well at the end about how it really wasn't dependent on your size because you could still buy cool she shoe diva delicious shoes, mm-hmm. and that definitely I feel like that definitely kind of spread its or that kind of increased its reach as yeah. an aspirational lifestyle. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it just um, 
I was thinking about it relating to the 80s because it, it very much is a Gen X person entering 30s and 40s aesthetic, you know, and like the McMansion aesthetic, even in the suburbs is very much like 80s Trump, like kind of gilded mansion, like kind of Greek Tuscan kitchen type thing, you know, very much like an 80s, like kind of finance culture thing. And I was also thinking about this. I watched When Harry Met Sally the other day and there was this like great line in it where it was just like restaurants are to people in the 80s what theater was to people in the 60s or whatever or something like that and it just feels like um <laughs> i don't know Wait, that's really good it's a really good line um from when harry met sally but like um i was just thinking about that aspect of just like sharing a meal and sharing a cocktail and that sort of like convivial social sphere seems to be like the best way and like focus on that seems to be like the best way to like live in an increasingly material and like urbanized world you know it just feels like really important to maintain a sense of humor about biological realities in a world where like biology doesn't feel so related to like like the outcomes of things um yeah no that seems that seems really real um it seems kind of connected to like this to um james's final thesis about like regardless of size (laughs) because Mm -hmm. i also remember there in addition to like getting old there just being like a lot of just like comedic stuff about getting fat or just like being like cupcakes go straight to my thighs or something Mm -hmm. um yeah and I think that level I don't know it kind of was like proto body neutrality like Mm -hmm. that level of like openness about talking about your body and like not really giving a fuck and like accepting like I don't know fat acceptance low-key like I think is quite nice instead of like go jumping straight to being like you are loved no matter what. Like, I think <laughs> all of this became just so, like, mental health-pilled. Mm-hmm. And even though, like, self-care is obviously a part of this shoe diva aesthetic, it's, like, putting cucumbers on your eyes is, like, not a chemical or, like, sp- really scientifically sound thing. Like, it's just something that feels good. Um, and that's why I think it's, it's so rudimentary. realistic. Yeah, like, I think self-care is, like, stressful now because you're, like, oh, my God, like, are the active ingredients in this, like, interacting with this other thing? Like, if you're just in a bubble bath, like, literally no one gives a fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That reminds me a lot of how there's that genre of, like, bath and beauty product at TJ Maxx that no one buys anymore because it all has, like, beautiful names, like, like, rosé bath bomb or something. Mm -hmm. But then people are deterred from it because... The ingredients are mysterious mm-hmm. versus having this kind of scientific aspect that a lot of the products people gravitate towards now have. I think this has something to do with the rejection of the St. Ives apricot. Scrub. Apricot face scrub. Yeah. St. Ives apricot scrub discourse was like the first it was like the canary in the coal mine for like skincare culture because totally. everyone was like, oh, this really popular product. And then and then after that, it was pore strips. And then after that, it was like, mm. you need like a retinoid and then you need sunscreen. And now you need also like vitamin C and you need like a barrier, barrier protective moisturizer. And, you know, it's like everything just kept adding on to it. And like people no longer use like Noxema. And, <laughs> yeah, like, you just need put- to use a cold, cold – Pond's cold, cold cream. cream. Pond, yeah. yeah, I know. Like everyone's grandma was like, I just put Pond's cold cream on my face every night and that's like why I'm so beautiful or whatever. And like, I don't know. It's just that simplicity of Wait. just like the ritual and enjoyment is kind of is kind of lost. It is kind of like a formula. 
almost, you know, everything feels very formulaic and it feels very much like it needs to be justified and proven. And, and do you remember when people's face masks used to be green and that's yes, what the I, all the face masks were? Yeah. What happened to those? I've like never seen one of those in real life ever, you know? A pink face mask? Yeah. A green. No, green. Oh, green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, like, made out of avocados. Yeah, that's real as fuck. And also, yeah. like, the... I feel like there's also a trend to do, like, mud baths or, like, other mud-related mm-hmm. beauty treatments. <laughs> and this was yes. just, like, people just didn't formulate stuff yet. You can still go to spas and do that. Uh, yeah, I recommend... Yeah. I, I always see, like, estheticians being, like, do not use anything that you would eat on your face because, like, like old Pinterest and YouTube was always about, like the five minute crafts like here like face masks you can make with stuff that you have in your fridge right now Mm -hmm. um but that seems like so out of vogue and like i just always see people being like do not do that um but we need to bring back like diy esthetician like i don't know just fucking like mash up some banana and put it on your hair like crack an Mm -hmm. egg on it (laughs) see if i can fuck you know (laughs) i fucking agree yeah (laughs) literally use everything from your fridge to do your beauty routine (laughs) yeah mayonnaise face or hair mask or something i actually did a mayonnaise hair mask but it sucked like it just took a really long time to get out of my hair you know um well maybe you can use the mayonnaise for the fries for the table next time guys i need fries and a chicken salad right now Mm-hmm. We need to go to chicken shop salad chick. Do you feel that Shudiva might also be tied into the problematic legacy of almond moms? I, I don't know. I feel like Shudiva and almond mom are not the same. No, because like Shudivas were always on a diet, but like not in the same way. You know what every, I mean? They I were feel like, like every day was a cheat day for the Shudiva. Exactly. Yes, that is so true. I, yeah, I was actually going to bring this up earlier when we were talking about the changes. Or when, when Alexi, you were talking about kind of some of the body neutrality around the cupcakes and thighs, I distinctly remember reading think pieces in the 2010s, late 2010s, around women going into cafes or pastry shops and being like, oh, that looks divine, but oh, I shouldn't. Or, oh, I don't want to be naughty today. And how yeah. it was kind of criticizing women's way of speaking around treats basically and so i definitely think yeah there was such a big shift where people started to criticize women started to criticize themselves for talking that way instead of just continuing to do so i feel like it's important to kind of talk that way because it makes it feel like you're doing something kind of wrong you know you're just like it's just like let me just it's like you're breaking the rules like i feel like that's why they did that it's not even like a toxic diet culture thing it's almost like stigmatize it so that it feels even better whenever you break the rules like type thing you know i don't know yeah speaking from experience if you have treats every day they kind of become less treatful um but also yeah <laughs> this, this kind of like associates with the whole parenting thing too because i just see a lot of these like gentle parenting types being like don't teach your kids that there are like good foods and bad foods like cupcakes are the same as broccoli and i'm like okay that's objectively just like not true yeah like, it is really funny to be like, oh, let's be naughty and get, like, a cupcake. <laughs> like, I yeah, think that's we need to so play that up funny. More. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, we've lost the cottage industry, the woman-led cottage industry around cupcakes, and that is a goddamn mm-hmm. shame. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. Sprinkle. Like, I mean, it's still around. Yeah. Sprinkle, yeah. yeah. We still have baked by Melissa, but, you know, that woman is 
she is not a shoe diva in my opinion she is an almond mom i don't know she was always doing like rainbows i don't know yeah big no. you, you have you not seen baked by her giant salad her crazy salads yeah but yeah. the fact is like she has all these boutique like bakery places all over new york that are like tie-dye themed and like they do sell cupcakes i know but i think there's something about her shrinking the cupcake down to the size of a quarter and then she was like hello shark tank i've got a great idea um <laughs> i mean i've actually never had a baked by melissa cupcake but i'd really like to try one melissa is such a shooty of a name mm-hmm. lisa too lisa joe joanne i was thinking about this the other day i was thinking about the name lisa my boyfriend was like there's never like a lisa that has a meek and mild personality it's always like that's lisa mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's like, yeah. that's, you know what I mean? That's like yeah. daddy's Lisa girl, like, you know, like, I, know. <laughs> I do feel like don't talk to probably Lisa has that a problematic way. friend named Lisa. Um, yeah. I also wanted to mention, guys, also some interesting language at this time where we had desserts that were called like better than sex pudding pie. Yeah. Or <laughs> like make make him want to marry you chicken thighs and that sort of thing yeah and that was just really fun seo options there and i really Mm -hmm. all that stuff tastes so good as well it really is better than sex like Mm -hmm. it just makes it makes me so happy when you see like someone's meemaw (laughs) sharing the better than sex like cake (laughs) or something on facebook i think that's so amazing I like that kind of woman-focused language, though, where yeah, it was too. always a wink and a nod between these sometimes God-fearing older women who would share these suggestive recipes. I think that's so amazing. Yeah, I love that. I love the, uh, like, secretly naughty thing about it, you know, where it's like, I don't know, you go to, like, a bridal shower and they're like, here's, like, a bunch of dick straws to, like, drink out of. Like, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, yeah. like, crass. But it's, like, we're only – it was the same idea with let's let's not have, like, a cupcake or whatever. Like, oh, like or, like, I, sh- I probably shouldn't have this cupcake, but I'm going to be naughty today. It's just kind of, like, stigmatizing things to make them more fun and, like, to make it you or, like, breaking the rules a bit, you know? Which is, like, cool for, like, yeah. housewives and moms probably have to deal with so much, like, I don't know. They have to, like, watch, like, Miss Rachel all day and just, like, watch all this, like, children's <laughs> media and, like – they are probably going crazy speaking minionese to each other you know it's just like i don't know it's just like they need some crazy crass like they need like a samantha type vibe yeah i i think the parenting philosophy thing is so interesting too because i feel like a lot of the gentle parenting thing has been about not creating this really harsh distinction distinction between children and adults and like getting down to the kids level and like doing all of this work to like try to understand them better but I feel like the wine mom slash like shoe diva approach to parenting is like seeing children almost as another species and not letting oh, them yeah. affect like their childishness like makes your life more adult. I don't know. Like I just think about like when I was younger, like not that my mom wouldn't get like down and dirty at a playground, but like her and her friends were just like cleaning out while we were like doing our thing. But Mm-hmm. I feel like now there's just like a lot more expectation of like active parenting and like you becoming more like the child instead of creating this distinction. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I'm i not going to give parenting advice as a non-parent 
and but like <laughs> yeah i probably you know no, I'm it's like obsessed I, with parenting. I, oh, I can't wait to have a shoot eva themed bachelorette party that's like my no dream. me too me too i really actually am so excited for something like that or to have like a shoot eva like little group of friends at like my child's fifth birthday party and we're all like drinking wine you know what i mean together mm-hmm. while the kids are playing but yeah. not oh, to yeah. but it just doesn't feel not that like i know anything about this i hope no parents get mad because i feel like that's a common thing but it's like it doesn't feel right to like involve yourself that much in like your child's life like that. It just feels like children need to be like independent in a certain way and like kind of develop like a sense of like self-sufficiency. Not that like you're supposed to ignore them or neglect them or anything like that, but it just like feels like we're going to create like a a generation of like really intense helicopter parents or we're going to be a generation of helicopter parents, you know? I don't know. Yeah. I think I've seen a lot of people talking about this. It's like largely class related. um, And just like, there's been a lot of discourse around like teachers and like that one TikTok teacher who like made this video about how kids are really stupid now and just like Mm -hmm. really like grades behind. Um, It seems like there's going to be just like a huge divide between kids who have like over-resourced parents who are just like always up in their shit and like really and involved and invested in their education like traditional helicopter parents and then like kids whose parents are like completely absent and are like ipad kids um Mm -hmm. yeah and it seems like there's going to be very little in between but that's why we need shoe diva moms to (laughs) to rise up something doesn't feel right about this you know this modern parenting discourse um i don't know i spent the whole weekend with a child so i've been like thinking about it Sorry, go ahead. Oh. It, it all overlaps with like the inner child stuff of being like, I wish that my inner child was more like listened to and protected. So like, I think people just like really being scared of accusations of neglect. But like the fact is your kids is going to have some issue with you when they grow up, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. They're going to have issues with them, with you being too much in their shit, with you not being enough in their shit. Like there's no way to have a future adult whose inner child is like completely at peace. I don't think that's something that we should be aspiring towards but also it's just i don't know it, it's a very like i i vibe with holistic parenting and like being kids needs is important but mm-hmm. no yeah bro. you need to sometimes like go on a shopping spree and then have your kid like help carry you the bags stuff. <laughs> yeah <laughs> carry the bags oh the amount of times i did that with my dad weirdly and not my mom i think my dad was a shoe diva <laughs> in their relationship your dad's a your dad's a major shoe diva he definitely he is, is. He is obsessed with like Giuseppe's and Naughty and like all of those random Italian like brands. So I like that photo of your dad where he was repainting his red bottom shoes. Oh yeah. Has. I didn't know no. they made those for I didn't know they made those for men. My <laughs> dad really is probably cool. the only customer of men's Louboutins. Um and he has special red oh. paint that he uses to repaint the soul. <laughs> that is so shitty. So cool. Yeah. That's like really epic. Like He's always wearing like Prada flip flops and stuff too. Wait, why is That's my dad awesome. such a shooty butt? Like he always is wearing designer <laughs> shoes. It's so weird. I appreciate. I I think also yeah, footwear. I was thinking about this just in a footwear perspective. It just feels like we have moved in a place where like statement shoes are really a thing, but like everyday glamorous shoes are not really a thing. You know, like having a million shoes for a million occasions or like multicolor pairs pairs of heels just doesn't feel like a thing anymore like it's been so long since i saw like a bright yellow like platform or something in stores you know i don't know i feel like tbf gen z is bringing this back with their love for like demonias and like brats type shoes and like really 
ugly dolls kills shoes that have like butterflies on them you know um I think a lot of kids are like into that style and in fact you'll see a lot of spiritually opposed to the shoe diva though like I feel like Alexi you wear those you wear those like cute little heels yeah I wear I wear Mm -hmm. heels like almost every day um but they're so practical I don't know if I can steal shooty of valor valor like that no i think you definitely can yeah you can really like most people your age are like walking up to the office wearing vejas or something (laughs) yeah that's that's real as fuck yeah i know it does really add a certain especially living in manhattan as i as i do now add a certain level of glamour like click clacking around the city yeah i i don't know i i I feel like I do see these like busted ass Gen Z outfits where it'll be girls wearing like leggings and a t-shirt and then like the demonia like six inch platforms and I'm just like what like statement shoes are definitely a characteristic of of the young the young people um, yeah there's no sense of harmony there's no sense of harmony I I, yeah. I or yeah. um I guess demonias are kind of comfortable as well not that i've ever slipped my feet into a pair but just based off of the way they look to be designed i think like shoe divas are also also blister divas yeah yeah i think a lot of girls are like deluded into thinking that they can like walk in heels and that they are like heel girls they can't or they can that they can but they haven't tried anything except like those giant platforms that are like brat shoes that are really easy to walk in yeah i agree i do sense the return of the red bottom though pending i would love that they should they should come back yeah i like that really clear symbol of aspiration and luxury and i could definitely see people getting back into them you know what i'm kind of afraid of though is like if they do come back i feel like the consequences of our viral era and also the consequences of our like drop shipping era might make it so that like they're so easily spoofed that they become basically valueless, like Van Cleef bracelets or like Cartier bracelets and stuff, you know? And like there's yeah. no there's you know. Louboutin has a really robust copyright division or like anti piracy division. And they're like historically noted for being super litigious about the red bottom because they have it trademarked, but it's also like what's stopping you from just buying shoes and like painting them red on the bottom. Um mm-hmm. seems like something Meg would do. <laughs> and it would be cool, of course. It would um, be cool, yeah. I don't think we have like famous shoe designers anymore. Um but we should. We really should, yeah. It's kind of like the equivalent of like, you know how there's always that one girl who like wants to be a fashion designer but she just like draws ball gowns. Yeah. There needs to be someone who just like draws heels that are like unrealistic and like <laughs> i think someone needs to bring that back like a heel that has like a goldfish bowl on it or something that is so fit another thing is like do you guys remember all those this was also the end of the shoe diva era when there was always photos of rihanna going around on twitter where she was wearing heels and she was stepping on subway rights in new york city and people like how is her the spike of her heel not going into the subway great she's so amazing but then they turned it into being like i'm this close to ending it all basically and they like zoom in on the picture of her heel almost going into the subway great and that's how you knew it was it was over the times have changed should we play some would you rathers guys yeah 
think there's some fun stuff we could pick up on here. No, wait, would you guys rather be 30 or 40? 40. I think so 40 quickly. is when things are going to start really getting lit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, also, I think 40th birthday parties are so chic. I remember my mom's 40th birthday party, and it was a big old affair. And for some reason, she tried sushi for the first time, which also <laughs> feels very shoe diva. That's so shoe and diva. It. And it was, everyone was wasted at this restaurant. Oh my God. I don't even think I was allowed. See, the thing is, I wasn't allowed to go into the party. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I feel like they left me in the reception or something. Yeah. Like, I just have. <laughs> Kind of, I heard, I heard the sounds and saw the shapes or something, but you guys tell me about your 40 fantasies. I just, like, I have been thinking about this for the past, like, couple of years, or I just, I think, like, literally the coolest thing in the world is, is being 40. Like, there's just, like, so much perfection in that where it's, like, I just, like, it, it has to be the best age. Everyone I know that's 40, which is not that many people, honestly. I wish I knew more people that were 40. They just like have it like they just have this sense of joie de vivre like they they figured something out about things like they let go uh, of all of the stresses and have like kind of really figured out who they are and like what they want and like have kind of gone for it and I don't know I just like think it's really glamorous. Yeah I also think listening to music has helped me reframe this uh, just because I've been listening to a lot of I've been listening to Jessica Simpson. She has an amazing song called A Public Affair that was like a favorite of mine as a kid that's about like girls' night out. Um, and like Janet Jackson and also Natasha Bedingfield. Like I just feel like when I'm 40, I'm going to be like wearing a tank top and like dancing. Um, <laughs> and me and my friends are going to like, I just, I'm picturing like silhouettes of women, like iPod style, where we're all wearing <laughs> heels. Like it's just going to be such a vibe. I think there's a lot of like, like turning 30 is quite loaded because it's like, oh my God, my 20 is over. But then Mm -hmm. when you're 40, it's like, okay, take your sensitive ass back to the 30s. Like we clown in this bitch type of vibe. (laughs) (laughs) My mom was so amazing when she was 40. Like my parents, like I just associated that with being their peak, like around that time. Oh my God. Oh, that killed me. That fucking killed me. <laughs> oh, guys, I just want to skip to being 40. I have so I much like, optimism. Like, fuck my 20s for real. I know. Honestly, I'm so ready to be 40. I was, my cousin is turning 40 like next year. And I was just like, no, like, we are going to have like the craziest birthday party. So we just went to my dad's birthday party and he rented like a riverboat and got like super wasted and was like throwing tortillas <laughs> at like bystanders on the San Antonio Riverwalk. But like, how Stella got her groove back. I just wanted to mention that. I don't know. I know it's not like shoe diva, but it's it's about a woman who's 40, you know, like specifically 40 and how it's so cool to be 40. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I also, um, I've never seen Thelma and Louise, but I imagine that they're 40, right? I don't know. No, <laughs> I think they're, they're not <laughs> I think 40. They're, I think they're like 70. Yeah. No, they're right. literally like. No, I don't know. I made that up. I'm sorry. They, they're maybe 30s. They're. Okay, sorry. I don't know. I just thought that their kooky vibe was giving, like... <laughs> 40. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, I'm excited to be, like, a yeah kooky, curly 40-year-old woman, you know? Oh, you're going to tear, Sam. Yeah. Like, it's going to be so tear. much fun. You know who's also so 40? 
little Edie in Grey Gardens, even though I don't think she's 40, but she's no. so 40. She's so 40 and she's also no. proto shoe diva. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, she's crazy, 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 crazy shoe diva. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad we all feel the same way about that. Yeah. What's next? We have to start planning our 40th now. Like, we have to. Oh yeah, we should have. We, yeah, we should. Chicken salad chick will everyone. be catering. I'm <laughs> gonna make that clear. And I, yeah. I kind of want to have a bob. A what? A bob. Oh, a bob? Yeah, a bob is very 40. Having a bob. You know? It'll emphasize my shoe so diva. My shoe about... diva long neck. <laughs> yeah. Just yes. think about how many friendship groups go through by the time you're 40. Mm -hmm. It's really amazing. It's like you've made it through potentially pregnancies, maybe even divorce. I know. You must have such a close bond. Wait, yeah, divorce Divorce age. is so related to Shudifa. Like, I just it's remember so my, my horseback riding teacher, I guess. She... <laughs> a horseback riding teacher? Yeah. I'm pretty sure her name was Lisa. Like, not even fucking kidding. Um, <laughs> but it's she was, like... Lisa. She was really, like, coastal cowgirl. Um, and really beautiful but i remember she had this divorce party like to celebrate the anniversary of her divorce and it was so like cheeky and like i went with my mom and my sister when we were like kids and like it was so shooty because she was like wearing this really cunty dress and like a cowgirl hat and being like was like burning her wedding dress or something like there was just something really dramatic going on mm -hmm. um and I sensed that something really bad happened with her marriage, but she was, like, laughing it off and, like, through this party that was really fun with all of her friends. Yeah, she was dealing with the hardship through, like, a crass sense of humor, like all like all true shoe, shoe divas do. And as you should, yeah. if you want this life to be easier. There is, like, a lot of good kind of female revenge, female rage tracks at this time, like... Mm -hmm. Alanis Morissette, oh, you know, yeah. so even if you weren't an alternative chick, you were still rocking with that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was kind of an empowering time vocally in terms of, like, literally lyrics for women in some ways. Sinead O'Connor, um, I feel like, like was... Yeah, was everything you sad, own but... in a box to the left type thing. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know if you get that anymore. No, you get, like... <sighs> It was like empowering, but it had very yeah, you like I don't know. Yeah, that's like the it was girl boss, but like not in a way that was like roar by Katy Perry. You know, it was like yeah, it was like it was raw. It was raw. It was raw. It was about being unwritten and feeling the rain on your skin. It's true because you really have to go through some shit to like enjoy, like enjoying music like that. Really hits different when you've gone through some shit i don't know yeah, also you know, if you really don't feel like you have like an avenue for expressing your feelings because you don't have twitter.com yet mm -hmm. you know what i mean you can't connect on tiktok with like-minded divorcees or something <laughs> like i think that really singing those songs is probably really a good feeling cathartically yeah that's true yeah i don't really Any have other would you rather I think there's something to do with chicken salad here, guys. Chicken salad, yeah. We love the to end it on a tasty, delicious note. I'm trying to think of, like other shudiva foods. Like sushi is definitely a shudiva food. Yeah. Um, um, macaroons are very shudiva. Um, nom nom nom. Would you guys rather have an unlimited supply of 
chicken salad chick or an unlimited supply of fries for the table oh fries for the table fries for the table <gasps> yeah I'm sorry I alienated you guys that question <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about like the transition from like chicken salad chick to like sweet green you know what I mean uh, depressing like, Boo. yeah what Boo. happened to the whimsical like bitchy divorcee woman like branding of like salad bars you know what I mean? I just okay. I do miss like gendered restaurants, like yeah, how you used too. to go into Five Guys, and they would all be like dads, and they were all bald. And then you would go <laughs> to Chicken Salad Chick, and they would be shoe divas. And it was like it was a really comforting binary in some ways. But now, all of these places are really positioned as genderless. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, there's still mm. – uh, here in Austin, there's still gendered places, but they're all male gendered. It's like beer bro, like baseball, like though. themed, I, you know? I think, you yeah. know, that's too – that's too on the nose. I like when you go and you see the, the single man eating the burger and the five guys. <laughs> um, I will say – okay, I guess we could – if we have no more would you rathers, I, I think I've shared this anecdote on the podcast before – but one time I stayed in an Airbnb in Philadelphia and it was truly a shooty of paradise. It had a bunch of the, it, the whole, the whole place This woman, this Italian woman lived there with her husband. The whole thing was shooty themed. It had um, multiple stiletto cushioned chairs where the stiletto is the chair. And then on top of that, she commissioned a painting of herself in the shoe diva room her living room like sitting on the stiletto chair and then hung that painting inside of the room isn't that amazing i aspire to that i love that guys i had to go because jackson just made me a steak (gasps) i know i'm so i'm so hungry i was yeah but i feel like this is a good place to wrap up probably thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode um and yeah maybe this will give you guys some more context on shoe diva outside of us mentioning it and also we would like to yes dispute the claim that we invented the term because we didn't yeah, we yeah. Didn't major term. shout out to james cernay uh such genius is yeah he was a top poster under shoe diva and yeah we would love to collab with him and mm-hmm. yeah keep calm and yeah keep common diva on um okay guys i have to go eat my steak i can't keep the man waiting um thanks everyone for listening love you guys love you bye Love love you